Good evening. Uh, Mark uh, said, my name is John Avery. I'm the pastor of Family Life here at Fellowship Bible Church, and thankful for the opportunity to talk with you tonight. I want to talk about two ways um, that I think can help our families grow, um, and they both have to do with talking. The first one is vertical, uh, talking to the Lord, prayer. And then the second one is um, horizontal, and that is how, do we, how we talk to each other. And so um, <clears throat> just want we'll, we'll to, we'll start with prayer and helping each other grow in our, in our families. Um, the prayer possibilities uh, are great here of, of how we can pray together. Praying for your family um, in your own personal time, obviously. Praying with your family members. And, uh, and then one that I want to encourage you to think about is, is asking other people to pray for you and your family and to make that a, a priority. And, uh, and, I'll, and I'll share why I think that's important. Prayer, when, when someone says, when they mention prayer, a lot of times we think that prayer's just hard. And, and it can be, for sure. In fact, I, <clears throat> this is somewhat embarrassing, but I'll share a funny prayer story. And uh, back when I lived in Illinois, I was a youth pastor at Village Bible Church in Sugar Grove. And uh, there, was a, there was a guy, great guy, um, Bob Mulder, who uh, we used to pray together on a regular basis. Every Friday morning at 6 a.m., uh, I think Bob was a morning guy, and I was not, but I wanted to pray with Bob, and we felt like that was important. So <clears throat> 6 a.m., meet him at church, and, and Bob would I, we, we would pray, and he would go to work after we prayed, and I would uh, maybe go back, and get, go back home and go to sleep. Uh, but uh, <clears throat> one morning, Bob and I were praying, and then I woke up. Uh, Bob started praying, and, and uh, I woke up, and Bob usually left around 7, and, and I woke up at 8. And uh, that's how spiritual I am. And he was gracious. He didn't, w- <laughs> he didn't wake me up. He just let me sleep. That was great. Back then I didn't snore, so I don't think anybody else heard me in the church, so that was good. Uh, but uh, it was, it was uh, very interesting. But... When I think of prayer, I think of how much God, um, the nearness of God. Psalm 145, verse 18 says, The Lord is near to all who call upon him, to all who call upon him in truth. Calling upon God in truth. And he says that he's near to us. He invites us into his presence continually, inviting, come, talk to me. He wants us to talk with him. And... You know, another uh, example that kind of impacted my prayer life a little bit, it's kind of a strange one, but uh, when I was a student at Moody Bible Institute, um, around my senior year, my roommate, a uh, great guy named Sean DeMoss, um, love him to death, he, he was such an example to me in so many ways. Um, but uh, one, one day I walked in, I was really, really just burdened, heavy-hearted, um, some things had been going on in my life, and um, I walked into our dorm room, his, his uh, bed was by the window, and then we had some things that divided it, you know, dressers and things. And I walked into our room, and I plopped on my bed, facing my wall. My back is to, to him and everything else. And I just said, oh, Sean. And so that was it. And uh, five minutes later, I turn around to get out of my bed, and there's Sean sitting on my bed. I said, Sean? He goes, yeah. I said, how long have you been here? He goes, as soon as you called my name. And he's just waiting, <laughs> just graciously waiting. I, I, 
I said, you know, um, what do you, wh why are you doing that? He said, you called my name, and I thought you wanted to talk to me. So I'm just waiting for when you're ready to talk. And I said, wow, are you Jesus? I, you know, just a, just a, he was a, he's a humble guy, loves the Lord. But I, I just, I, I thought of that, that impacted me. And the idea of like in James 4, 6, where it says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. As I mentioned, the Lord is near to all who call upon him, to all who call upon him in truth. The nearness of God when we call on him. And he's constantly inviting us. And, and even more so than a friend, he is closer than a friend, closer than a brother. And immediately when we call upon his name, he says he's near and he comes to us. And so why um, should we pray for and with and asking others to pray for our family? Well, I just want to mention a few reasons. The attacks from our enemies are real and designed to destroy our family. The world is actively trying to ruin our families. In John 15, we're told Jesus makes it really clear. If you know me, if you love me, um, if you follow me, the world's going to hate you. They're actively going to hate you. They're, the, the world, like Romans 12, 2 says, the, the world says, do not be conformed by the world. The world, that word conformed is, the world is actively trying to conform Christians to its way of thinking. I uh, saw an interview yesterday of a famous person. They were being interviewed on, I don't know, ABC or something. And uh, they were asked a question by, by a young person. And the young person said, well, how can I make a difference in the world? And, the, and this famous person said, you know, it's like you have an inner GPS. You just need to listen to yourself. You've got to find your own voice and trust yourself. You know, that is... Through, mixed throughout the world and our families and our children and, and we as parents, we're constantly hearing that we need to trust in ourselves and, and follow what we want. Proverbs 28, 26 makes it really clear. He who trusts in his own heart is a fool. That's kind of clear. That we're not supposed to trust in our hearts. Why is that? Because Jeremiah 17, 9 makes it really clear. The, the heart is deceitful above all else. Desperately sick. Who can understand it? Why would we trust in our hearts when they're desperately sick? We need to go outside of ourselves. We need to go to the word. We need to go and talk to Christ and not trust in ourselves. But the world is clearly telling us, put your trust in yourself, actively trying to ruin our families in the way we think, in the way we believe. Not only is the world doing that, but Satan is actively scheming against our families because of his hatred and his desire to kill our families. I can't say that's strong enough. We have a very real enemy. We know this. Ephesians 6.12 tells us that our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but then it goes on to list the different authorities in the spiritual realm that are seeking to destroy us and harm us. We're told in 1 Peter 5.8 that the, our adversary, the devil, is like a roaring lion. He's, he's roaming the earth, seeking someone to devour. 2 Corinthians 11 2 Corinthians 2.11 tells us that, that Paul's saying, we don't want you to be ignorant of Satan's schemes so that you would be taken advantage of by him. So it's very clear that we're wrestling against demonic activity. We're wrestling against demons. We're wrestling against demons who take their orders from Satan who hates us. And they have a scheme. They have a strategy. We're in a battle and our families are in a battle, and we're told in 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5, that this battle is real, and that we have these weapons 
And the weapons of our warfare are not like fleshly weapons or, or like uh, guns and, and tanks and, and flamethrowers and things like that. No, we need, we need divinely powerful weapons given to us by God because the enemy is continually wanting to interject thoughts that doubt who God is, that tell us, um, he's trying to tell us who we are, and, and our kids are continually up against that. And so we need, we, we need to take this idea of praying for each other, praying with each other, and asking for prayer from others very seriously. The Apostle Paul's grateful heart in 2 Corinthians 1, 8 through 11, that's on your paper there, or you can turn in your Bibles, it's fine. Um, it says that he was grateful because they were delivered from great affliction because many people prayed. It says here, For we do not want you to be unaware, brethren, of our affliction which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened excessively beyond our strength, so that we despaired even of life. Indeed, we had the sentence of death within ourselves, so that we would not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. He who delivers us from so great a peril of death, and we deliver and, and will deliver us, he on whom we have set our hope, and he will yet deliver us. You also joining and helping us through your prayers so that thanks may be given by many persons on our behalf for the favor bestowed on us through the prayers of many. The Apostle Paul is saying, we were challenged in our afflictions beyond our strength. It was like we had a death sentence. We're in a world that hates us and we have an enemy that hates us. We are afflicted from, from every side. And, and so was the Apostle Paul. We don't know exactly what the affliction was. Was it satanic attack? Was it disease? Was it being persecuted? We don't know, but we know he was in great affliction. And I believe that families today are in great affliction because of our enemies. So he's saying, what, what did God use to help deliver him out of great affliction? What did, the, what did he use? He used the prayers of many. And he was thanking them. Because of your prayers, God gave us favor. God demonstrated favor, and we were delivered. We were helped greatly. Grace was given. And so I just want to encourage us as we think about prayer, praying for our families, is that it, we're in such a serious state here. It's, <clears throat> we, have, we have enemies. We have enemies that are scheming, and they want to take our families down. So prayer with our families teaches us Humility and demonstrates dependence on God for all family members to see and be encouraged. James 4, 6 and 1 Peter 5, 5, are, they, they basically say the same thing. And that is, is that God gives a greater grace. God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And that's taken from Proverbs three thirty four. God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. The, the idea is, is that God absolutely delights in humility. He loves it. He's drawn to it. He moves towards people who are humble because it demonstrates a dependence on him which goes absolutely against what Satan told Adam and Eve, to be independent of God. And God hates that because it's pride. And he calls us to be humble many times. 
God is decisively drawn to humility. C.J. Mahaney says, The person who is humble is the one who draws God's attention, and in this sense, drawing his attention means also attracting his grace. God is moving towards us when we're humble, and we, move, and we draw near to him in humility, and he, and he brings grace to give us. This idea of grace, a, a supernatural strength given to us by the Holy Spirit to know and do God's will. He moves towards us to give us this grace. But he's also moving towards the proud to bring them low. Either way, God's moving toward us. But he loves and he delights when we are humble. And as we pray together as families, it's so hard to be in God's presence and be proud. How can we, how can we be? The very act of praying is a way of confessing. You are God and I'm not. You're the one in control, not I. You are the one who knows how to solve the problems I face in life, not I. You are the one who has both the power and authority to affect the changes I so desperately need in my life, marriage and family, not I. I can do, I can do none of those things as a husband. I, can, I can't change my wife. I don't, I don't want to, but I'm, I'm just saying I, I can't change my wife. She can't change me. I can't change my children. would love to do that. If someone has figured that out, just see me afterwards. Um, but you can't change your children. Only God is able to do that, and, and he's the one we need to go to in humility, drawing close to him, drawing near. Why? Because he, he invites us. Hey, listen, if you're in fifth grade today, God invites you to come into his presence and talk to him because he loves you so much. If you've put your faith in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, he invites you on a regular daily basis to come and talk to him and listen to him. If you're in high school tonight, God invites you every moment of the day to have an attitude of prayer that you are deeply loved by him and he invites you to come and talk with him. He, he loves you so much. He wants you to talk to him. He wants you to, li he wants you to listen to him through his word. He's inviting you to draw near to him and he promises and he's never broken a promise. He will draw near to you because he loves you so much. But as we pray together as a family, we can, each family member can see the humility in the other as we depend on God in prayer. Praying for our families helps us grow together and experience closeness with Christ and each other. We grow in grace and strength when we pray. As I've been mentioning that we are invited by God, Hebrews 4, 15 and 16, listen, 16 says, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Again, he's saying, draw near to me. And, and we are invited into the throne room of God because of the person of Jesus Christ. And we can come with confidence, not in ourselves, but in what Jesus did for us. And we can come and we can ask, Father, our family is struggling right now in this area. And we need your grace. We need your supernatural power given to us by your Holy Spirit to know and do what you want us to do. We desperately need help. And he says, confidently, come and ask me. Many times we think, well, he doesn't want to hear from me because I've, I've sinned this way the 27th time today. And he invites, he still says, come, 1 John 1, 9. If we confess, confess meaning agree with God, say what he says about sin, agree with him. If we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness and our fellowship with him is restored and he says, keep, keep talking. 
What else is going on in your heart? But we can grow closer to Christ as we enter his throne room. We can grow closer together. Philippians 4, 7 tells us that the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard our hearts in Christ Jesus. That's talking about his presence. That's talking about experiencing him. Taste, come and see. Taste and see that the Lord is good. And, and this is experiencing who he is in prayer together as a family. Well, what should we pray for? When we're, when we're praying for our family, what, what should we, when we're praying with our family, what kind of prayer requests do I send out to people if I'm going to ask people to pray for my family? And here's just a few ideas. Pray the scriptures. Pray the scriptures. 1 John 5, 14 and 15 says this, This is the confidence which we have before him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know what we have, that we have the requests which we have asked from him. What is this saying? God is saying, come, pray according to my will. And when you pray according to my will, I'm going to not only hear you, but I'm going to answer. Now, here's the promise, I think. It's, it's not answering my way. It's answering his way. It's not answering in my timing. It's answering in his timing. But we know and we trust because God is good and he loves us. And he's already demonstrated that he loves us. He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, will he not also with him freely give us all things? Romans 8.32 tells us. We, we can trust that when we pray the scriptures back to the Lord, we're praying his will for our children when we pray through the scriptures. We're praying his will for our wives and our husbands when we pray according to the scriptures. Scripture is, they're full of prayers. Psalm 119 is one big prayer. The epistles are filled with prayers, ideas, things we can pray for. And it, they don't even need to be specific prayers. They, they can actually just be verses that we're looking and saying, Lord, would you make this true in my life? Would you help me not to be conformed to this world? But would you help me to be transformed by the renewing of my mind in the word? That, that's Romans 12, 1 and 2. We, we, we can pray those kinds of things. And that's God's will for us. So how is he going to answer? I don't know. But he says he will. We can have that confidence. And so as we encourage one another, we, we can pray the scriptures for one another. And, and like I said, I, I've listed several prayers in here from the scriptures. Colossians 1, 9 through 12 and Ephesians 1, 5 through 23. I've been praying for my family and for myself for a long time. Ephesians 1, 5, 15 through 23 is, is that prayer that comes after. Um, now, I know you guys are smart and I know that that's the prayer that comes after Ephesians 1, 1 through 14. <laughs> but in the section of 1 through 14 is that lo one long sentence where we're told all the amazing things we have in Christ. We're told we're in Christ. We're told we've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, that we have been redeemed in Christ, adopted as children in Christ, over and over and over again, these wonderful things. And so he gets to the prayer in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 15. So what do you pray that for someone who has everything? Every spiritual blessing, what do you pray? You pray that they would understand it, that they would, that they would see what they have in Christ. And that's what Paul does. I pray that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened so that you would know what the hope of his calling is in your life. You pray that they would see it. And so I pray that my son Joshua, as he's growing up, help him to see what he has in Jesus. I pray for Benjamin. I pray for Hannah and Sarah. And, and how many else do I have? I don't know. And Leah. 
I, I pray that, that they would see who they are in Christ, that they have been adopted and that they are children of God, that God has lavished his love on them. It's, it's such a wonderful thing to be able to pray scripture. You might want to pray thoughtful observations. You can do that too, but I'd pray thoughtful observations of family members' lives. What, what do you see in one another that needs prayer? What are their weaknesses? What are their strengths? What, what kind of things do they talk about? Just being sensitive to, and listening. And, and then you, you know, novel idea, you can ask them, what would you like me to pray for? <laughs> Just asking, what, what is it that you need prayer for? And, and getting together, what... When should you pray together? You know, this is between you and your family and the Lord, but I just threw a few things in here. It says, you know, I said schedule a time. What, is, what works best? Once a week, twice a day, twice a week. What, you know, um, that, that schedule a time, schedule a place, but make prayer a priority. Be spontaneous on the ways you're driving. When my kids, when I drive them to school, I, I would say, I got this much time. I've got about a minute and a half, two minutes from our house to Sharando. Let's just pray before you go into school. Let's just pray. Just spontaneous times. And then, <clears throat> you know, you want to ask for prayer regularly from trusted friends and family. That almost, almost like devel- developing a prayer base. I, I have, a, I have a, a handful of people that I go to, um, and I, I'll either inbox them on Facebook or I will email them and I will ask them, this is going on. Would you please pray this? Here's what Susan and I are praying, this prayer. We're praying this scripture for one of our kids. Would you also pray this scripture for one of our kids? And just forming, I know it sounds, you know, maybe I'm sure you're, many of you already do this, but just forming a prayer base for your family. It's that important. The Apostle Paul asked for prayer many times. In Colossians 4, he says, pray for us. In Ephesians chapter 6, he says, pray for us, pray for me. And if that guy needed prayer, man, we all need prayer. And asking people to pray and pray for your family. Um, <clears throat> and so I, I just want to give you a simple little, um, looking at Ephesians, or I'm sorry, Philippians 4, 6 and 7, as you think about praying together. And, and again, I, wanna, I just want to say, 5th through 12th graders, Listen, do you want to be a young man of prayer? Do you want to be a young woman of prayer? You are continually, if you know Jesus, and I'm going to say it again, if you have placed your trust in Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you are a child of God, he is continually inviting you into his presence. And you can be, for your family, a young person who prays with your siblings, you can pray, and it doesn't matter. You don't need the older ones praying with, that's good. Let's have a younger one say, hey, you guys, maybe we should pray. That's, that's great. God is, God, this isn't for adults only. This is for everyone. This is for children of God. He invites us to come, and he invites us to pray. So let's look at, for, at Philippians 4, 6, and 7. It says this, be anxious for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The first thing I want to say about this is that use moments of anxiety to prompt you to pray. 
Use those moments where you have one of those, maybe the fiery darts from the evil one that's wanting you to be anxious about something. Use that to prompt you to say, it's time to pray. I'm starting to worry about something. And actually, I don't even know what it is. Or if you do know what it is, let that prompt you to say, it's time to pray because I'm being anxious. And what does God say to me when I start being anxious? Be, well, don't be. <laughs> Stop. No, he says, do not be, an be anxious for nothing. And then he says, here's what I'd like you to do. I want you to pray. So what does that mean? It just means tell God what's going on. Talk to him about your situation. You see, this is for anybody. This is for everybody who knows Christ. Just start to pray and tell him, Lord, this is what's going on and I'm struggling. Or this is what is happening in our family and I want to talk to you about it. And remember the promises. He invites us to come with confidence because of what Christ has done for us. Remember the promise that if we draw near to him, he draws near to us. Remember that he is with you because in him we live and move and have our existence. Just talk to him about it. Talk to him about it. Tell him about your situation. And then, I, I just think it's amazing. You know, we're, we're talking about an omniscient God. We're talking about a God who knows everything. For the, the beginning to the end, he knows everything, but he still invites us because he knows how important it is for us to talk to him. And then supplication. You've, you've told him all about it. And then start asking him. Asking him to work. Asking him for help. Asking him for wisdom. James 1.5 tells us, ask the Lord for wisdom without doubting. Ask him with faith and he will give generously. He gives wisdom generously. Ask him whatever you want. Bring whatever request you have for him. Do battle on behalf of your family. Before you go to bed, dads, you're laying in bed. Take a few moments and just do battle for your family. Father, I pray for my family that each one of my children would love you with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Just start praying for your family. And if you go to sleep praying, I've done it, and I think I, I'm still alive. Um, it's, it's okay. I think it's a wonderful thing to go to sleep praying. Um, wake up and say amen, or you can continue on. It's up to you. But it's a, it's a wonderful thing. Just start asking him to work in the situation. And then he says, you know what? Give thanks. And so what we're doing here is we're using situations when we are anxious, when, when life seems to press in on any of us, use that as a, as, a, as a reminder. It's time to pray. I'm anxious. God doesn't want me to be anxious. He wants me to trust him. So now I'm going to start to pray. And then I'm just going to tell him what's going on, and then I'm going to start to ask. And then after I ask, I'm going to give thanks in the same breath this, using the same breath that I just asked him, I don't know how he's going to answer. I don't know when he's going to answer, but I'm going to thank him because I trust him, because he's good, because he's in total control, and because he's already demonstrated how much he loves me in the person of Christ, in the death of Jesus, in his resurrection, 
in my salvation, in, his, in the past, in how he's worked in my life and in my family. I'm going to trust him because he's good. I'm going to thank him, however he's going to answer. And I think God wants us to thank him even before he answers. I, just a thought here. It's, it's my confidence in him will grow. I'm going to trust him because I'm reminded of how good he is. And then it says here, then he says, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you peace that surpasses all comprehension. <clears throat> Dear friend of mine, um, he's 57 years old, and he has been diagnosed with Alzheimer's. And uh, we, we have been speaking about it. I've been talking on the phone. And, uh, and I'm, I'm just, I, I marvel at his trust in the Lord. He's no longer able to work or drive. But God, he, he, he is trusting in the goodness of God. To hear him speak is, is, is you know that he is just walking with Jesus, trusting him, thanking him, and he doesn't know what the next month will hold, but he's thanking him. At the end of our conversation, we pray together, and he thanks the Lord for what God's going to do in his life as a result of deciding that he would have this disease. It's, it's thanking him and, 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 the, and the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, is going to guard our hearts. That means the presence of Christ right there with us as we're praying. And so <clears throat> one of the ways I think that we can help serve each other, the, well, the, the way we can uh, help each other grow, whether we're a child in the family, a fifth grader or a sixth grader or a seventh grader, all, all the way to twelfth grade, is <clears throat> you guys, listen, young people, you, you can use anxious moments to prompt you to pray. Because Philippians 4, 6, and 7, and God is saying, use this as an opportunity to pray and trust me. And, and wouldn't it be amazing as you, as you, as you, as young as you guys are, if you continue to, if you, if you started or if you're already doing it, that's great. But you continue to use those anxious moments in your life. That becomes a pattern in your life, a way of thinking, a way of dealing with anxiety. Um, God's going to strengthen you. And you're going to be reminded of his presence. And you're going you're to just talk with him about the cares that you have. First Peter 5, 7, cast your cares on him because he cares for you. And, and just start talking to him about the situation, asking him, and then thanking him for what he's going to do in his timing and in his way because he definitely knows what's best for us. And so <clears throat> being an encouragement, uh, children encouraging parents, hey, I think, I think it would be okay uh, if I say this. Um, I didn't talk to your parents about this, but I think it would be great if, if as kids sometimes you go, well, let's pray about that. And then your parents will go, that's a great idea. And then you guys pray about it. Let's have the, let's have the children be uh, prayer prompters. Say that 10 times fast. It, it's a great opportunity. And <clears throat> it's a great opportunity we have to teach our children the same thing. So prayer, helping us grow. The other thing I want to talk about is how do we talk to each other? Vertical, talking to the Lord and listening to him in his word, obviously. And then how we talk to each other. Look at Ephesians 4.29. I think it's on your notes. It says, Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, 
but only such a word as is good for edification according to the need of the moment so that it may give so that it will give grace to those who hear our words are so powerful excuse me you can you can if you listen to the news sometimes you you hear these stories of people losing their jobs because of their words you know words are powerful I know of churches that have split because of words. Relationships suffer because of words. Words are really, really powerful. And I know of people that have had, who are in the ministry because of words. I mean, I've shared this story, maybe some of you have heard it, but again, there was a man who discipled me when I was 18 years old, George Thomas. And I remember I was going to have my first, I was, I, was, uh, I was 19 at the time. I was going to speak in front of a group of teenagers, about 60 of them at the high school, of a group that I was involved in when I was in high school called Fellowship of Christian Students. And I was terrified. Uh, my, um, and at that time, my third, my third point of any message I had was, um, <clears throat> just because I said it all the time. I don't say it as much, but, um, you know. But, but the point was I was terrified. I literally um, wanted to run away because I could not imagine having to speak in front of people. You ever, anybody with me on that? Yeah. And so George would put courage in me. He would tell me, John, you can do this. Jesus is with you. And he said that over and over and over again. And the weird thing is, is I started to believe what he was saying. And what he was doing, the word encouragement, he was putting, he was taking courage and he was putting it in my heart. And so I went and I did it and it probably wasn't that good. I don't know. But I did it because someone was saying, you can do this. The power of words, of encouragement. Well, this idea of unwholesome, okay, is is um, Paul's conveying an idea that words can be rotten, words can be evil. The idea of corrupt words, the idea of rottenness and decay, of how sometimes we can speak to one another because we become comfortable and it becomes casual and, it does, and, and, and we, can, we can actually do more harm than, than we do more in helping each other grow. That's how powerful our words are. You know, I got some of these ideas from, um, as you can see on your notes, I gave the credit to John Piper, Desiring God. I thought there's just some good points on Ephesians 4.29 here. He just says, language that may be in mind here is taking the name of the Lord in vain. We, We need to be so careful. It's such a precious name, the name of Jesus, the name of God. You know, someone as you just see throughout all of our society, and the world, again, is trying to encourage people that it's, it's a good name to take in vain. Very appropriate in movies and things. You stub your toe, you say the name of Jesus, it's not a prayer. It's taking it in vain. Why, why take the most precious name, think about it, the most precious name, the name above all names, and using it in disgust? And I think... Um, we, can, we can become lazy and, and, and we can use God's name um, for an exclamation mark and not, um, and not what it's intended to be. And so uh, the other thing here is trivializing terrible realities. 
Among other things, these expressions trivialize things of terrible seriousness. It's simply a contradiction to believe in the horrible reality of hell and use the word like a punctuation mark for emphasis when talking about sports or politics. The same is true of damnation. If and if the divine command, be holy as I'm holy, carries for you the same weight it carried for Moses and Jesus and the apostles, you'll simply find that holy cow or holy anything will stick in your throat because it treats something infinitely precious as trifle. And it's just thinking through. Let no unwholesome word come out of your mouth as we speak to one another in our families and want to encourage each other and point each other to Christ day after day after day, just being guarded of how we talk to each other. The other one here is referencing sex in the body in vulgar ways. Sexual jokes that aren't, are not helpful. Um, takes what God has made good and, and, um, and just making it dirty. God, is, God doesn't want us to do that in our families, I don't believe, that we would honor what God has made and what God uh, has called good and, and not um, being silly with it and, and, um, and not taking it seriously. And then speaking in mean-spirited ways. Final kind of language I think Paul would, would call rotten is mean-spirited language like shut up or you're a jerk or you're an idiot. The words themselves are untarnished, but the usage is vicious and lovely and, and loveless. You know, it's just thinking through, how, how am I speaking? I, uh, I knew a guy one time, and, um, and <clears throat> he was talking um, disrespectfully and to, his, to his mom and dad, and I, and I just kind of challenged him on it. <laughs> and his response to me was, what? It's my parents. What's the big deal? So I punched him. No. Um, <laughs> but it, it's, it's, it's kind of a mindset. It's kind of a mindset. It's family. We talk to each other. You're, being, you're taking it too seriously, John. It's, it's family. And I think that God is calling us to a higher calling in Ephesians 4.29 to not use any unwholesome words. Don't let them come out of our mouth. But only words that are helpful, only words that bring help and give grace in time of need, that being sensitive in that way. There's four implications of such language, of rotten or unwholesome um, language, and that is it doesn't nourish. It doesn't build up our families. We don't build each other up when we're using language that is unwholesome. It's, it's, it's not gracious. It's gross. Um, it's not kind. It's crippling. can be crippling. And instead of being helpful, we can be hurtful. It will probably make you sick when we use unwholesome language with each other, it, it, um, it can wound. We can wound one another in ways that are not helpful, in ways that people will remember. And so God is calling us, build each other up and don't use unwholesome language in our homes. We want to point each other to Christ. It smells bad and makes the atmosphere unpleasant. <laughs> You know, we want to create a culture of love and encouragement. I'm not saying we don't confront each other, but we are told to speak the truth to each other in love. And we want to give words of hope. And if we need to confront one another, we definitely need to do that, and we need to do it in a loving way. And words from the scriptures that point people to Christ. And this is interesting because he says, um, Piper calls it this, he says, it probably comes from a diseased tree. So look at Luke 6. I have Luke 6, 43 through 45. Do you have that in your notes? Okay, I'm going to read it. For there is no good tree which produces bad fruit, 
nor on the other hand a bad tree which produces good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. For men do not gather figs from thorns, nor do they pick grapes from a briar bush. The good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth what is good, and the evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth what is evil. For his mouth speaks from that which fills his heart. And so we want to fill our hearts. And I think that's Proverbs 4.23. Above all else, guard your heart. For from it flows the wellsprings of life. Guard what we feed our, our hearts. Because what we listen to, what we, what we <clears throat> many times what we watch, what we read, what we, what we think about, he's saying guard, guard that. Because it's going to impact your heart. It's going to impact your inner person. And as you, whatever you treasure, you're going, is, is going to start coming out in, your, in our speech. And so <clears throat> as, a fam- as families, we want to point each other to Christ. And so we want to be very careful how we talk to each other. But it's first going to start with the renewing of our minds. The renewing of our minds, filling our hearts with what is true. Um, I love Ephesians 4.30. It tells us that the Spirit has been given as a seal to us and secure us for an infinitely wonderful future. Ephesians 4.30 tells us that we've been sealed with the Holy Spirit. So what is this saying? Let, let, me, well, let me back up because I skipped something. Ephesians 4, 22 through 24, I want to say first. Because I want to say, you know what? It is possible for us as believers in Jesus, because of Ephesians 4, 22 through 24, they tell us that we have put off the old man and put on the new. We are a new creation. Like 2 Corinthians 5, 17 tells us, those who are in Christ are a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. And because, I, because we have a new nature in Christ, now God can use my words. God can give me the strength to speak the truth. God can renew my mind and my thinking because I'm a new person. Ephesians 4, 22 through 24 are talking about what has happened to us as a result of trusting Christ. We're new. And then he... And then in, in 29, he says, don't let any unwholesome word come out of your mouth, but only words that are helpful, that give grace and edification in, um, in, in time of need. And then in verse 30, he sandwiches 29 between 22 and 24, the, the truths of you're new, plus you have the Holy Spirit. So it's possible. It's possible for us to speak in this way. It's possible for us, verses 31 through 32, to forgive like Jesus because we're made new and we have the Holy Spirit. It's possible for us to create a culture in our families that we point each other to Jesus in how we're praying together and in how we're speaking together because he has made us new and he's given us the Holy Spirit and we can renew our minds with the word of God that the Holy Spirit takes and changes us and our hearts are beginning to fill up with with the word of God. Your word, Psalm Psalm 119 Verse 11, your word I've hidden in my heart that I may not sin against you. And so that is what, that is what we have as, as this opportunity. So we want to give words that point family members to Jesus, words that remind us that God is good and in control, words in, that give wisdom and, and, and put courage in our kids and, and our spouses we want to use words that when we're going through difficult times that we remind each other 
that um, even though we're going through this trial, God is using this in our lives so that at one time we will be able to help another person. Or he's using it in our lives because it's drawing us closer to Christ as we depend on him. Or he's using it in our lives because he's forming Christ in us so that we would have the fruit of the Spirit flowing out of us, the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control that the Spirit is going to produce in us because we're new. And we speak to each other in that way because we're new and we have the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> and it's a, it's, it's a great opportunity to think through how can I talk in my family, with my family, in ways that will build them up, in ways that will give grace to those who are listening in time of need. Remember, grace, a supernatural gift given to us by the Holy Spirit so that we can not only know what God wants us to do, but we can actually do what God wants we, us to do. He gives us the strength to do it. So I just, I, my hope and my prayer um, for us tonight is just in, in some way that you could, would be encouraged to, to, um, to pray together, to pray for each other, and to ask people to pray for your family. Uh, <clears throat> and the simple prayer of Philippians 4, 6, and 7, let anxiety or worry prompt you to go to the Lord and talk about it with him. Ask him for help and thank him for what he's going to do. And, 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 and trust that God's peace is going to guard your heart because he's with you. And that we, we would take the opportunity to um, build each other up with our words, uh, using words that give grace to those who are listening. And, um, and, and I believe that as we do that, we will continue um, to point each other to Jesus for the long haul in our families. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you so much for your word. Thank you that you invite us to pray with you, to talk to you, and that right now we are in your presence, that we are before the throne of grace, as you have told us. And so we come confidently, Lord Jesus, because of you. And so I ask for each person here, for each family that is represented, would you please help us to be more and more, to, to help us to grow in the area of praying together, praying for each other, asking people for prayer? Would you help us to grow in the area of how we speak to one another in our families, that we would use words that are helpful, encouraging, building up, giving grace? Lord, I pray that um, just more and more that unwholesome words would go away by your strength. We love you, and I pray for each family that, that each one of us, Lord, would love you with all of our hearts, mind, soul, and strength. In Christ's name, amen.